Tandem Nomads, episode 81. So it's already, it's already in my head to know that, listen, you need to build a portable business so that if you don't have to start all over again in every country you move to. I think that's the best way to be happier. So when it's time to move, you don't feel so um, bad or start feeling, you know, having these uncertainties of what you're going to do next. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show designed to help expat partners turn their career challenges into great opportunities and become global entrepreneurs. Every other Tuesday, you will find great inspiration and practical tips to build a portable and successful business. To download your free guidebook on the six steps to build a successful portable business, go to Tandem nomads.com. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Dereghi, and our guest today is Ebere Akadiri. Ebere, are you ready for the ride? Yes, I am. Thank you, Amel. <laughs> so glad to have you here. So Nomad Nation, Ebere comes from Nigeria, where she founded two businesses, a retail clothing shop and two restaurants with large catering operation, employing over 56 employees. Iberi holds a Bachelor in Food Science and Technology, and when she had to move to the Netherlands with her family, she decided to continue her entrepreneurial journey. She founded Ataro Foods, a food packaging and consultant company where she packages her signature spice blends. Iberi offers cooking workshops and videos to help her customers discover the culinary heritage of the West African region. She's also passionate about entrepreneurship, so she also mentors other entrepreneurs to help them achieve business growth. Ebere is also involved in various charity causes through the Beauty in Every Life initiative. So Ebere, you have a very interesting background and I tried to summarize it as much as I could, but is there anything important that I miss and what's happening in your life today? Thank you, Amel, first and foremost for inviting me. You're very welcome. Uh, I think you've covered everything that I do. Uh, maybe uh, it's good to know that I have five children <laughs> and I combine that with all, all, all the business, all what I'm doing so far. And um, you've already mentioned I had a business in Nigeria called Just Relish. It was uh, a restaurant business and I had um, two branches and a catering operations. Uh, just before I left the country, my country, Nigeria, to join my, my husband with my family to the Netherlands, you know, on an assignment. So that's how I found myself here in the Netherlands. Wow. So this is quite amazing, first of all. Five children and still managed to do it all. And I love that you're the living proof that it's possible. It's possible to raise a family and a big family and still succeed as an entrepreneur. We actually have a great episode on uh, how to manage maternity and business. So check it out. And uh, it's the episode uh, seven. Uh, 77, I believe. So check it out, Nomad Nation. But um, today you will share a lot. What I found very interesting about your situation is that, you know, we have this challenge of a career, how you move your career from a country to another. And in Tandem Nomads, we strongly believe in the importance of a portable business, but 
building something that you can take with you. But what I love about your case is that you built a business and you grew it and then you start over again and you rebuild businesses. You're a true serial entrepreneur. It seems to be your second nature. And I think you have a lot to, to share with us here from how you made it. Uh, and those were pretty big ventures. So I would yeah, love yes. <laughs> so I would love to to first of all know how, what happened for you when your husband told you we're moving to the Netherlands. What were your first thoughts about your businesses there because you had employees and responsibilities? Uh, uh yeah. I mean when I started uh Just Relish, that was my business in Nigeria. I mean, I had visions to grow it into maybe 10 branches. Uh, even outside Nigeria. So, uh, I mean, I've done the first one. The second one, uh, we just started a big um, commercial bakery. And also we were into large catering operations for all the oil servicing companies in my city. So when my husband told me that we are moving to the Netherlands, I, I was, um, the first time he told me, I simply said, no, no way, I'm not moving because I've built this, I have this big dream ahead of me, and I really wanted to see it succeed. So the first time I refused, and um, I mean, it took some people to talk to me, because family is important as well. <laughs> so I decided to, you know, follow him. Yeah. Wow. And it wasn't an easy decision. It was, it was tough. It was hard. Yeah. But I did. Yes. Okay, so before you tell us how you started it in the Netherlands again, could you tell us what did you do to, to stop? Did you have to close your businesses in Nigeria? What did you do? Did you sell it? Wow. What was the steps you took to, to move and leave behind you what you've built? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, between the time I accepted to move and the time we moved was maybe about, Two months, I had no time. I couldn't think of anything to do. So I left the business uh, running with my managers and my sister was also there. Uh, but the, the second one I had just opened, I noticed it wasn't doing very well. I closed it. Then I left the first branch to stay open until another two and a half years. So, but I was trying to manage it from here. And then I had to let my friend take it over. Uh, so that was how I closed okay. that uh, business for now. Yeah. But I still, I'm still able to do some businesses right there, especially in event planning and catering. Uh, that I'm able to still do from here. But outside that, uh, I had to close it down and move on. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. It's really amazing. So you did, you did um, then leave to the Netherlands. And so what did you do then when you arrived? How did you plan your next move? I mean, your next entrepreneurial move. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I had, you know, before I moved to the Netherlands, I had, um, you know, been in the business world for about, I think then about, maybe uh, 10 years or so. And when I moved, uh, I realized that they speak a different language in the Netherlands. So I had a lot of work to do to understand the language, understand the culture, 
start making new friends. Uh, I had to settle down with my family, my children, school, hospital appointments, all of that. So I thought I could just stay as a stay-at-home mom and just take care of the kids for once, you know. <laughs> for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've always worked. Um, and back home, I had a lot of support, people helping me out with my kids. So when I came here, I spent another one year. I, I didn't do anything. I just focused on my family. But after one year, I started becoming depressed. I started feeling very bored with the routine. I, I realized that something was missing inside of me. And that's like, it's like losing who you are. And that's who I am, is an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. So I had, to, I had a conversation with my husband about it, and we both agreed that I needed to go back and start my business, even in this new country, yes. Yeah, wow. Okay, so how did the idea of Akara start then? Your spices business. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so initially I thought of, Starting up a restaurant. And one of the things I do when I start up a new business, uh, because Aftara is my third business, uh, one of the things I do is to find out what my customers need. So in that process of interviewing people to find out, um, you know, to share my ideas with them and know whether is they're going to welcome it, I realized that so many people living in the Netherlands didn't know anything about Nigerian food at all. They did it, I mean, say 90%. And uh, I took it as a challenge that, okay, if I start up a restaurant, I'm not going to get so many customers coming because they don't know anything about it. So I changed my business model. I decided to offer cooking classes to teach them more about the culture and about the food and then get them to cook and taste the food. Uh, then I, and I was thinking about it. I mentioned it to a friend of mine who said, oh, why don't you come and teach the kids in school? So I started with teaching children. And then their parents heard about it. I also started teaching the parents of the school. And uh, after that, I decided to launch it outside, advertise it and see if people would come. So the name Ataru actually came from um, uh, Atarodo. is a Yoruba name. And my husband is Yoruba. And it means habanero pepper. So I, I was thinking about, you know, we have hot food and grill. So I called it Ataru Grill when I wanted to start up a restaurant. But when I changed my business model, I just called it Ataru Food and Spices. So when I launched it to the public, I kind of presented it as an adventure because I know so many people are afraid to go to Nigeria for some reasons. So I decided to tell them to come and experience the vibrant cuisine of West Africa here in The Hague. And I think it worked. Yes. Wow. This is amazing. And I think what's interesting about what you said here is how, first of all, the importance of before you start a business of doing some research, some market research and testing the idea and also, you know, figuring out, like you said, the needs and and it was very smart of you to realize very from early on that you could 
that a restaurant would not work. You had first to educate the consumer on the existence of Western African food and uh, and the benefit of it. So, but what was the need that you tried to fulfill for your customers? What was that need that you found when you did that research? Yeah, when, when I did my research, I found that most people from uh, here in the Netherlands love adventure. They love to travel. They love to, you know, they love new experiences. And this is how I was able to market my business to them because uh, I realized that most people are, you know, especially at that time when there was Boko Haram in Nigeria, so many people wouldn't want to go there. So I wanted them to still experience it, experience the taste, the flavors of West Africa. So although you may not go there, you can still experience it here in a tarot, in a tarot place. So that's, that, I mean, so I was fulfilling this uh, need, the desire to try something new. Yeah. So it wasn't like there was a problem. It wasn't like they couldn't survive without it. But I was just trying to bring out that need for adventure. So I marketed my business to adventurous people. And yeah. they got wow. it. Yeah. Amazing. This is really great. So, so that was a great marketing technique to start introducing your products because that's, I think, a very smart marketing move. You create an event and you create courses to, at the end of the day, buy a pro- sell a product. So, so tell us more about your business model now. Yeah, um, I mean, another thing that helped with Ataru for me, it, it was a great passion because I felt um, there, everybody knows about maybe uh, Chinese food, Indian food, Japanese, uh, um, Mediterranean food. You know, I felt like, why is it that people don't know about West African food? I wanted mm-hmm. to put it on a map. So I decided to do what I can. You know, so there was this strong passion and people could feel it that I really would love them to experience this. Uh, this uh, vibrant cuisine, something they've never tasted before. And the truth is, because it's really taste, it tastes really good, so when, the first, when people try it, they tell their friends. So with my business, it's growing through word of mouth and also um, through the fact that I keep repeating the same message all the time because that's all I'm selling. And eventually, with a tariff, because I know we use lots of spices in our food, if I teach people how to use them, they, might, they, they could use excessively, you know, they could use a lot of it and that will overpower the taste of the food. So I decided to put together these spice blends, okay, so I can direct people how to use it. Just take a teaspoon or a tablespoon and make your chicken or rice or, you know. So it's, that was how I started packaging spices. So right now, we are focusing more on distributing the spices, even outside the Netherlands. And, um, you know, so that more people living outside the Netherlands will get to experience West Africa cuisine. This is yeah. amazing. It went beyond the borders of Netherlands and this is great. And there's one thing that you said that's really important, I think. The fact that you started with a purpose and a passion, 
that was that's a big component of a success of a of a business is to be passionate about something and you had a strong message that's beyond the business i always say that a business should serve sometimes you're selling a product but actually you're selling something bigger behind the product and in your case it's discovering the western food you combine your passion for cooking and sharing a moment with friends with your skill of cooking and, and sharing that with other people. So I think that's the beginning of everything for every business is figure out where is your special passion and skill and how you can serve people's need with it. And in your case, it was the discovery of other cultures, for instance, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's beautiful. So you're serving a bigger cause. I love how you have a big vision. It's not just about the spices. It's also about giving a platform for people to discover Nigerian food that, like you said, why is there everybody know Indian food, et cetera, but, but not Nigerian. So this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, even right now in Ataru, we are trying to promote other uh, West, not only West Africa, but African food entrepreneurs who have been operating, you know, locally and nobody knows them. We're trying to give them a platform where more internationals can come and, you know, know, you know, meet them, see their products. So we can, because wow. when we are more, we're stronger. So that's what we're doing right now. This is fascinating. So the other thing also is how smart you were with thinking, oh, okay, so now I need to help them with the, you know, the quantity of the spices and how to mix them. And you created these packages where you mix the right doses of the spices so that, the client just needs to put in one tablespoon or one teaspoon of that spice. So this is really smart. How did you develop that? So could you take us through the process of how do you develop such a product company and, and make it happen and then expand it beyond the borders? Yeah. One thing I know that for you to grow your business, you need to be, you know, focused so much on your customers. When you're so focused on them, you want, everything to be easy for them you want to give them something that is easy and i know that my recipes you know when you add all the spices is so long so i was thinking how can i make it so simple for people to use you know just take the spices add two or three more ingredients and you have your food so that thought of thinking about convenience, how can I make it more convenient for people to use, especially people are going to be afraid that, oh, I'm not from West Africa, I'm not from Nigeria, so I may not be able to use it. Like today, um, a chef that I introduced my spices to, Kitchen Exile, today she made some fish too with West African spices and created our recipes. So that's, you know, that's the thought. How can I get people to use it conveniently without stress? Because nobody loves, you know. So what I now did was, it's, it's something I did in my restaurant back home. So I didn't have to recreate it. For me to ensure consistency in my restaurant, I, I, I used to mix all my spice plants together. It kind of ensured consistency so that any cook that I employ know that this is what you use. And then we have this consistent taste in our food because I was building a, uh, a franchise prototype that's, so that there's a system, there is, um, you know, the food tastes the same everywhere. So with the taro spices, even if you buy it and cook it at home, 
your jollof rice is going to taste exactly like my jollof rice, even if you're not a good cook. So that's, that's the idea behind mixing the spice blends and writing very simple line-by-line uh, uh, line recipes, step-by-step -step recipes, so people can use it anywhere. Yeah. So oh, I, I'm going to interrupt you before we continue on that, because you said something very, very important. You're talking, I'm like, like yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Nodding. So important what you said. So Nomad Nation, there's two things I want to highlight here that you mentioned. The first thing is that you were focused on making things simple for your customer. Your whole point is to bring simplicity yes. and ease of use. And this is for me, one of the biggest things about any business. If you think that, way if you think of bringing simplicity and ease of use you have a bigger chance of succeeding so i think that was a really smart move from you um and a, a very intelligent way to think about it when you focus about your clients you think of making it simple for them and this is amazing the other thing you said and i'm i'm such a big fan and i keep insisting with my own client is consistency no matter with your marketing or your product, consistency is king. And there's nothing worse, I think. I was talking with a friend yesterday. I said, you know, there's nothing worse when I like a restaurant and then I come back with a friend or recommend it and the same dish does not taste the same thing. So a business success comes from the consistency of what you provide. It has to be the same taste, the same quality of service. Otherwise, why would I come back? So this is very important what that's you said here. That's, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is how I started my restaurant business. Out of that pain of going to a restaurant and the food is so inconsistent in taste or maybe not available. So for me, there was a problem, you know, before I started my restaurant, uh, I decided that this food is going to be of the highest quality, great taste, but consistent taste consistent service so those are our four values and i promoted it and customers we had lots of customers in my restaurant business and um, you know like i mentioned we had over 56 employees so for any business to grow you need to be able to be consistent because your customers are expecting the same service at all times or even better but you just have to always deliver or over deliver so yeah. you're right. Wow, this is so important. So Nomad Nation, don't forget, make it simple for your clients and make it consistent, be it with your marketing uh, efforts or, and more importantly, with what you deliver, service and products. So now let's talk to the money greedy part of it. I want to know how did you build your business model? So the business model is how, just to explain it, is all the system that you put in place to provide your product, but also to generate revenue. So how did you think it through and how did you build it? Could you explain this? Okay, yeah. For like for Ataru in the Netherlands, because when I came the first year, I wasn't really sure, you know, what's the best way to, to, to take it, what's the best thing to do. But when I decided, like, okay, I'm going to start giving cooking class, that's a strategy uh, to introduce the brand to people and to introduce my spices. So in terms of the business model, it's about uh, planning the, the workshop in a way that it delivers value and people fall in love with the brand. And also, so we have a revenue model from the cooking class, but we also have, a, a you know, 
a, a vision for the spices to be sold, you know, everywhere. So we sell it on, online. So that's our revenue to do more of online sales and eventually have distributors to distribute our spices. But right now we're working with chefs to kind of also introduce it to their to their customers because it's so new to people that I had to do a lot of work. You know, the first two years I worked so hard to, to get people to appreciate it, get people to try it or to taste it. So our model is more of focusing on, you know, with the big picture of having the spices sold in different countries, but also working locally with the people to to try it, to taste it, to touch and feel it. And so they can also help promote uh, the brand. So that's what we are working on right now. So you have some really smart marketing strategies that helped you develop your brand. Uh, I just want to go back a little bit to the, we're going to talk a little bit about the business model and then the marketing strategies. And sometimes and more often it does, there is a lot of link between both. So in your case, you're basically, in order to generate revenue, you having, are your courses, are your workshops uh, free or do people have to pay for them? People have to pay for them. Okay, you very know. good. So People that's part of your revenue. Okay, so you yes. have the courses, then you have the online and the sales of the spices that would generate revenue. So the do you apparently yes. also do consulting? Yes. For Atero? So is that yes. how do you generate revenue with that? Yeah, so, I mean, because I've been in business for 17 years, I realized that people can actually make use of my knowledge and my services to help them grow their own businesses. So um, right now we work with a, a company who wants to set up, you know, a poultry farm in Nigeria. So I'm helping them with their business model, business strategic plan and a business plan. Um, so they pay us for that. So we also have worked for some people in Nigeria who want to get some skills from here to be able to set up a food factory in Nigeria. Uh, and, as, and apart from that, the mentorship that I give to um, other entrepreneurs, because I'm a business strategist, that's my passion, leadership and strategy. So I people pay for the online class that I give for um, consistently for six months. So they pay monthly and we meet online with a group of about eight to 12 people and um, help them. I don't just teach them. I also help them give them practical steps on what they have to do to start their businesses, to choose the right ideas, to grow their businesses uh, based on my experience and also the things I've learned in the past 17 years. So that these are all like different businesses, but all under Ataru. Yeah, this is amazing because what I like about your business model is there's one thing that I would like to insist on very often is to try to have as many revenue streams as possible, as many different sources of revenue. Because if the revenue is only relied on your time, there's no way you can expand, first of all. And second, as a mom and as with traveling, it's really hard to keep stability in the revenue when 
the revenue is always based on our time. So no matter if you're developing a business, think of what are the different ways you can generate revenue out of this first business idea. And you're a great example of that, starting with the courses and then selling the product online and in the shops. And then now your knowledge is so big that you're teaching other people to do it. And this is amazing. So multiple revenue streams are really the way to go to build stability and, and a growing revenue, right? Very, that's very important in every business. So sometimes people feel stuck because they are doing just one thing. They don't look beyond what they are doing to see how they can add more revenue you know, into their businesses. Uh, like you mentioned, I forgot to mention the cooking workshop that I, I, I hold, you know, all the time. Sometimes it's tiring. It's a lot of work. Of course. So I had to create a cooking video that is evergreen, that is always there, that people have to pay for and download about 12 videos too if they want to learn how to cook West African uh, cuisine at home. So those are all different revenue streams. Yeah. Uh, some business experts will advise you to, to ensure you have at least eight revenue streams. So five is not bad. <laughs> Fantastic. This is great. Okay. So we yeah. did work around because at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is also about the money. We want to get money, right? It's not charity. Uh, and this no. is a very important message for me here. I mean, it's great to build a business, but you have to make sure that it works and that you earn money. If you don't think of the money, you cannot succeed. I mean, that's just as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, you're right. <laughs> you will sit down if you don't have money. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So let's not talk about your great creative marketing uh, strategies. For example, you mentioned uh, partnering with chefs. So could you list a little bit some of your marketing strategies that you developed uh, to, to, to grow Akaro and, and your brand? Yeah. Um, the first time I started, uh, the first marketing strategy I used was uh, attending trade shows uh, anywhere they have food fairs. Even if outside my, you know, the city where I live, I always attend to meet other uh, food entrepreneurs and people who love food come to those shows. Uh, so that's, that's one big one called uh, Taste of Amsterdam. I've always come there. I have another one coming up next week called Flavor Fair because right now we are promoting the uh, barbecue spices because this is the season. So that's the best place to go and market to over 3,000 people that are going to be attending that fair. Um, I'm working with a chef right now, so we're trying to um, hold different um, uh, cooking demonstration in different cities just to promote the spices. And we also put in together a cookbook just so we can have, have the book, you know, more people to read and order Atari Spices. And, um, and also at the Flavor Fair, we're trying to co collaborate with companies who, you know, collaborate with companies who can help us get more of their customers to try uh, Atari Spices. Another marketing strategy for me is speaking. You know, I do uh, public speaking, uh, talk more about business ideas, entrepreneurship, leadership. And when I go there, I also might promote my brand. Um, another thing is writing. I, I write 
a lot, especially newsletters. You know, I put my list and I maintain them by writing almost every month or sometimes twice or three times in a month, um, depending on what I'm trying to let them know that it's happening. So that's another marketing strategy. But right now we are focusing more on collaboration, strategic partners that can help through the brand. Actually, I want to talk about that. So you mentioned a lot of great marketing strategies, but one of them that seems to really work for you is strategic partnerships, So, um, which is the concept of working with other people who have the same audience, but a different product and a complementary product or service. So that's strategic partnerships. So Nomad Nation, if you have a great business like this one and you want to grow, think who are the people who can work with you, who have an interest in working with you and and, and addressing that audience that you want to target. So could you give us some tips? How did you, for example, um, convince the chef to work with you? Well, for example, uh, there is a chef working with me now. She, I gave her my spices and she tried them and she loved them. She loves to cook with them. When I went to her kitchen, I was amazed at the number of taro spice cans that I found in her shelf, in her kitchen. So she loves it. So it was good to work with her. And I also know that she knows lots of chefs. She also has followers. So we kind of decided to work together to attend food shows together. She'll be attending the Flavor Fair with me. Um, so while I face the business part and business development part, I need someone to do all the, you know, maybe the, the kitchen work, you know, so, um, so it's a very good idea. She has also introduced me to a whole lot of, um, people. That's, that's how we are working together. So I also look for ways to promote other people so that, because when you help people, they tend to also help you. So that's, that's another way. And that's from what you're talking about, strategic partnership. Uh, yesterday I was thinking that when you're in a business and you are so new in that business, sometimes the people who are already there kind of build a wall. So it's difficult for you to go through the wall. You know, I was just thinking to myself, you don't have to break that wall. You don't have to, you just need to climb over it and jump in through the roof. So that's, for me, that's, uh, that's the way to go in business because so many people have been in this spice business for so long. So I am not trying to compete with them. So I'm trying to see how we can uh, collaborate, how we can, you know, uh, work together so we can serve their customers and they can serve my customers. That's the way to go. That's a very good point. You don't need to go through the wall, but just jump over it. (laughs) And sometimes it is about also... Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to think. And it's also about, like you said, sometimes the people you think are your competitors are actually not. So that's also, we have, we have to have a, a big vision of competition and not be afraid of it. Rather think it as actually the more competition you have, the better, because it means there's a market. So (laughs) you just have to, and it will push you to be creative about it and be innovative. So yeah, really great tips here. And so let's see now, what are the things you're implementing now? Because I'm pretty sure, like I said at the beginning, for me, what's interesting about your business is that you have grown it locally. Okay. And that's the biggest challenge of a lot of expat spouses who built local businesses that imagine now you have to leave again. (laughs) <laughs> so 
what are your strategies now to to take this with you if you leave again? What are you implementing? Yeah, uh, uh, I already know that I'm going to leave soon. <laughs> But the truth is, I, one thing I know is that before you can really build um, a portable business, you need to try it locally with people, with you. And I believe that because you move to a new place, it doesn't mean your career needs to end. Just start again. I, I It wasn't easy to start all over again, but I did it. Uh, so because I know that I will eventually move, I'm reducing my activities with um, uh, cooking classes, with um, private dining that we offer once in a while. Uh, but instead, I'm focusing more on developing my brand online, like so that I can market these spices online to different um, uh, countries. And I'm also, you know, everything I'm doing now is kind of online. I'm just thinking about the, my producers. They don't, they, they're not in the Netherlands, they're in Brussels. Yeah, thinking about working with them to know that we are, we are in partnership. So it doesn't matter where I am. We keep marketing and they keep producing and shipping out. So I'm trying to streamline my operations to become less of, me doing the work here, you know, locally to us, to just moving everything online, you know, but any country I move to, I know I also have to establish a local presence because it's yeah. very important to have a local presence, you know, in yeah. anything that you do exactly. in business. I think building, this is what I tried when I work with my clients to really make them realize that building a portable business, it's about building your fundamentals online. But then it's also very important to use that opportunity in every country to build your local network and build a presence locally wherever you are. First of all, because it's going to generate more business, but also it's it's going to make you happier because you don't want to be just stuck behind your computer. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, that that's also another part. So, so building a portable business, like you said, it's a lot about, you know, thinking of how your system is uh, providing your, your service or your product through online and virtual solutions, but also continuing to build your presence. So that's a great balance. Uh, and the more you travel, the more your network will grow and, And then you can bring your people locally to follow you online when you leave. So <laughs> That's it. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, when I started the mentorship program, I decided to do it virtually from the start. But still, every now and then, I have a live workshop just to introduce the program to people. So, and everybody in the program, most of them come, you know, we meet ourselves and we have people from outside the Netherlands joining us, uh, you know, in our weekly meetings. So it's already, it's already in my head to know that, listen, you need to build a portable business so that if you don't have to start all over again in every country you move to. I think that's the best way to be happier. Yeah. So when it's time to move, you don't feel so um, bad or feeling you know having these uncertainties of what you're going to do next exactly so for me i'm already i have a one-year plan to really 
turn everything into a portable business. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's a very good point. Having a plan, very important. Think about it on the long term and make a plan with baby steps and one thing at a time. Like I say, focus. Follow one course until success. I think that's very important. Achieve that first you know, level and then go to the next one. Um, I think that's very important because it can be very overwhelming, especially with five kids. <laughs> So, <laughs> a quick word. Tell us, how do you do it? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I am lucky that when I had these kids, like everyone and half years also, um, I had a lot of family members back home in Nigeria. I had nannies. I had, you know, everyone working with me to help me with, you know, the family house chores. Mm. Um, so when we moved here, my kids were already growing. You know, my first was about I think fifteen, uh, and the last one was two and a half. But there's a big gap between the last one and the fourth one. So really, my kids also helped me out because my first daughter is now eighteen years old. She's wow. an adult, so uh, I have a nanny to help me. Um, every now and then at home uh, when I'm busy. So I, and I think the important thing is the plan that you talked about. Uh, I have this plan I call a strategic blueprint. And in this plan, I, I, I record everything that happens around my life, both my family relationships, you know, all the things I love to do. I mean, I love to host parties a lot like three or four times in a year, I like to just host people. I had a party last Monday. I invited people to just come and eat. I love to do those things. So I plan them in advance. So I said, this is, these are my goals in different areas of my life because there has to be a balance. So when, I, when I'm able to list them out and write them down, I'm also able to create a, a calendar for each of them you know, what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, who needs to do it. So I track my progress. What am I doing in this area, in that area, in that area? So there's complete balance in my life. Sometimes it's not always balanced sometimes. So, But as long as you have a plan, when I'm going off track, I go back to my plan and look at it and say, okay, where did I miss it? Just so that I have peace of mind at all times. Wow. And that's how it works for me. That's how I'm able to manage my family, my five children, my business. And also I'm a student. I'm studying oh, yeah. masters. Let's not forget that. <laughs> Let's not forget I'm a student. So it's already planned out. Uh, sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's challenging. But um, because I have this strong will that, listen, I can do it. I can do it. I just keep telling myself I, I can do all things. I can do everything. I, I think that helps me, that faith, to know that I can achieve anything I set my mind to achieve. So I, I, I'm I, fine. I'm balancing everything. <laughs> wow. Amazing. It's easy, but I have the will to do it, and I am. 
Wow. I love that you said, you know, I can do anything that I set my mind to. to, to. So this is amazing. The, the drive that you have, but you also don't do it. You do it in an organized way. Like you said, you have a plan and you have a goal. You know your goals. You prepare them in advance. You write them down. That's a big part, actually, I think, of achieving goals is to write them down and make them visible and check them out regularly and evaluate how you're doing on a regular basis with them. Very important things and and very important tips that you've been sharing here. Another thing you said is building, and I'm saying it in another word, uh, word is build your support system. If you want to build a successful business, start with building your support system. That's the first problem you have to solve before you start solving the problem of your business. (laughs) Solve the problem of how to fix your life and making it easier for you to be able to focus on your business when you need to and focus on your family when you need to. Um, And when I say support system, in your case, you were lucky to have your family. I know that for expats, it's very difficult in that case, but try to make the research or, you know, there's another thing I tell to some of um, the expat moms there is try to join forces with other expat moms and organize a system. Maybe they can be more affordable where you can share that you know, burden of taking care of the kids or rotate or something like that. Be creative about it. I think there's always a solution. Using the kids as an excuse, I think it was, it's just a shame because there are solutions. There are solutions. <laughs> yeah, there are solutions. I mean, we give a lot of excuses why we can do anything. So, I mean, that's one of them. There are also other excuses people give uh, because I could have given them the skill that I don't speak Dutch. Well, I tried to learn Dutch. I I went to school every day for for six months just to learn Dutch. Even though I can't speak it very well, but at least I can understand what they are talking about uh, enough to run my business. So it's it's very important to set your mind on what you want to do, have a clear goal of what you want to achieve, and then look for ways to solve every limitation, every obstacle or any fear you may have, you have to address it immediately so it doesn't become a habit. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good point. Wow. I could continue this conversation for a long time, but before we say goodbye, I would love to tell you, ask you if you have any online solutions and tools that you would recommend that have helped you in your business. Um, I can recommend some. I mean, I would say I don't really use them much because I have a virtual assistant and I also have an employee and I let them do those work while I focus on the creative uh, part of my business, the strategic part. But I know we use WordPress a lot in all our uh, WordPress.org. We use uh, MailChimp for newsletters for Taro. And we use Aweber for my personal website, for my mentorship programs. We use Thrive, I think Thrive for sales letters. We use uh, Zoom. What's Thrive for, again? Sorry. What's Thrive? Thrive? What, what is Thrive? Thrive? I think, yeah, my VA recommended that, I think. It's, okay. It's just uh, for sales pages, I think. Okay. Um, I can. I'll check it out. I'll send it to you if you want. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, we also. Uh, I will send that to you. Um, we use uh, we use um wish list member for the membership for hosting my content, also for my my cooking works uh cooking videos, my mentorship content. You know, 
yeah, we there are lots of things yeah, out there. Oh, so amazing I always so number nation, I will put that list, amazing list of great online tools. I do not think it's possible to build a portable business and any business nowadays anyways, without, uh, you know, embracing the amazing technology that's out there. So I'm going to put that list of tools there. And is there any book you would recommend to the Nomad Nation? I like uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's a very good book um, because it helps when it talks about desire, you know, when you desire something enough, strong enough, you find a way to achieve it. So yeah. I, I love it. I read a lot of books on leadership, like what the CEO wants you to know by Ram Charan, I think. I, le- I read a lot of strategy book, um, like the five quarters. Uh, I don't remember the name. Uh, I read a lot of sometimes motivational book, but very rarely, but yeah. So think and grow rich is very important for people who are still not sure of what they want to do. It helps you to liberate your thoughts and, and take actions. Fantastic. So that's my number one book I will recommend to people. Fantastic. Think and grow rich. So last question, where can we find you, Eberé? What's the best way to reach you? Well, the best way to reach me is through my um, website and LinkedIn, Iberia Academy. And also uh, my website is uh, com. That website links you to everything. It, links, it leads you to the vibrant West African cuisine cooking videos. And you, we also have some free videos for people to download. Um, then from people who... Some, People who want to hear my stories and insights and tips, they have to go to eberiacadiri.com, you know, and sign up for my bi-weekly newsletters where I just share my stories, how I started to grow my business to this point. Um, so that's how to find me. This is fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ebere. This was amazing. I really enjoyed this talk and it was very inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing your story here. Thank you so much for having me, Amel. I hope to see you again soon. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed the great insights of our guest today. If you did, please make sure to share it with your friends. See you at the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.